This is Principles in Practice, a Shape of Advice podcast brought to you by Professional Planner and BlackRock. My name is Tan Sharp and I'm the editor of Professional Planner. This series is a conversational style exploration of the different elements of practice management for advisors, drawing on the knowledge and experience of people that contribute to the delivery of advice to Australian consumers. Feel free to visit professionalplanner.com.au or get in touch to join the conversation. And now, please enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. This is Tan Sharp, editor of Professional Planner. I am joined by Clayton Daniel, founder of XY Advisor here in Sydney, and Angela Martin, who is an advice principal at Personal Financial Services in Melbourne and president of the Boutique Financial Planning Principals Association. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Morning. It's great to have the two of you here to talk about advisor peer groups and the role they play for people who are involved in them. Um, I think it's a fascinating area and an increasingly important one for advisors. There's uh, there's a lot to cover in this area. I want to start with you, Clayton. Tell me about the community you're involved with, XY Advisor, briefly, and, and how it operates. Yes, yeah, certainly. So um, I guess we started seven or eight years ago. Uh, we were all younger planners. We had our own businesses. And the I guess the most efficient way to rapidly upskill our ability to deliver value to our clients and receive value as an advisor was coming from um, the tips and, and intellectual property, I guess you could call it, of our peers. And we just sort of put a banner up called XY Advisor, not a great name, um, but that's we're kind of stuck with it now. Um, and we we're getting, you know, thought leaders and people that we wanted to learn from to contribute into us. And over time, that went from every six months having a meeting to once a week uh, podcast to every day on, on a Facebook group, and it's eventually landed on its own platform itself. Um, these days, I guess we consider ourselves more of a facilitator of community and facilitator of peer groups. Um, having arrived at 5,000 now, I think we've probably, we're probably a little a scratch too big to get everyone on the same page about everything. Um, and so these days, I guess uh, the reason why we exist is to help other groups and other communities flourish in an, in an efficient way. And it's primarily for advisors, but you also host members in other roles? Yeah, exactly. So I'd say one of the main use cases for our platform are licensees have their own, uh, you'd call it private groups on our platform. So you've got a lot of practice managers on there. You've got, you know, licensee heads, uh, research and and getting a licensee together is just one example, or it might be a location-based uh, thing. Um, but ideally, the goal is for the advisors to be learning and sharing from, from one another um, but we've asked advisors at length over many years as to whether they're happy for the broader uh, stakeholders in the industry to be a part of it. And they've, we've got an overwhelmingly positive response to that. Um, so it's about two-thirds financial planners, one-third relevant stakeholders. Right. And you mentioned licensees there. Are there also the support groups, that, you know, client service officers and power planners and things like that involved? Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So um, obviously each licensee does things very differently. Um, but uh, And so 
again, being facilitators, we leave it up to uh, the individual um, owners of these particular groups to run it however they see fit. But if they use a particular outsourcing company or if, even if they have internal teams, uh, certainly. And then the the larger that we get, the more we're sort of having conversations with the with the licensee services and things like that. So they might, um, over time, become a bigger part of, of I guess, again, facilitating the, the sharing and learning, yeah. Yeah, great. And Angela, tell me about the uh, the Boutique Financial Planning Principles Association. I think we'll call it the BFP here on end. Yes, that's what we, that's what we call it internally, the BFP. Well, we're an association that uh, supports the principles, so the owners of the boutique or small self-licensed financial planning businesses. So if you're a business owner and you have your own AFSL and you've got about 20 or less financial advisors, then you're probably okay to uh, look at joining us. Uh, Our origins date back to about 1996 when a group of Brisbane-based advisors got together to share ideas and uh, issues. And then the association morphed out of that in 2002. So we've been going about 20 years. Uh, We've got members around Australia, probably about 400 financial advisors, 120 businesses, and they're all principal members. So they're all people that own their own uh, and run their own business model. And we've got a real mix of business styles and sizes. We've got uh, probably about 60% of our members have uh, three or less advisors and 20% have 10 or more advisors. So there's a real mix. Uh, some of our members have held their licence for less than three years. It's probably about 20% of our membership base. But we've got a lot of experience too with about 60% having held their licence for over 10 years. So it's a real mix of people and experience, uh, but we all have those shared values of uh, providing quality advice and client care within our business model. And we see that diversity as our strength. And we operate very much on a member-to-member, similar to XY Advisors. In fact, I think uh, Clayton and I share some um, cross-membership there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but very similar in that we uh, learn from each other. So there's no, and we have no external influence. We have no sponsors or anything like that. It's it's purely a platform to learn from each other, to share ideas, uh, issues, and support. Yeah, interesting. On that point, there. I mean, we want to talk today about advice peer groups and the sense of community that you get from those, as opposed to what you would get from, say, an FPA or an AFA, or your licensee groups. Um, and the BFP is an association, but I really I put you in that peer group class because it's not a commercial venture, correct? Not, no, not at all. I mean, our fee is $500 per annum, which is minimal for all the benefits that you actually get. I mean, real financial benefits, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Very good. Angela, from your experience, what are advisors talking about when they get together? Um, you know, what are they burning to discuss with their peers? Or is it issues like the Code of Ethics and Education. Um, the Royal Commission comes to mind. I imagine that would have been a bit of a talking point. But I have a feeling it might... Um, it might actually be more so just about the mundane, everyday sort of practical elements and challenges of helping a clients and, and run a business. Uh, there are a lot of um, uh, practical day-to-day. Certainly there's been a lot of uh, uh, talk about what's been happening within the industry. But, you know, it could be anything from a esoteric financial planning query to um, seeking uh, advice about a uh, particular service provider like a compliance consultant that other people have used or external power planning, et cetera. It could be a client referral, you know, people are sending on or just somebody have expertise in this particular area. 
something that's come up in recent weeks, though, is uh, uh, the development um, or businesses developing their own WorkSafe uh, COVID staff uh, procedure and policy and how can we do that. So everyone's been sharing their documents and their ideas and the regulations about that. Yes, really topics of the day. Clayton, you guys have a, um, a pretty strong forum for that kind of sharing element. What uh, is it generally the sort of the mundane everyday stuff or are people looking at the, the big issues in advice? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I would say sort of high level there are some reoccurring themes. Under seven years of being in business, it's typically client acquisition. Around that seven-year mark, you get to HR, becomes a real big issue for a couple of years. And then after about the seven or eight-year mark, uh, then back office efficiencies and EBITDA and all that, all those sort of uh, profitability measures start uh, being discussed more. So there's, a, there's almost like a business life cycle um, <laughs> ongoing longitudinal uh, theme that that's repeating. Um, and then there are situational um, or seasonal um, topics. So, uh, you know, as, as each, I guess, tranche of different rules and changes uh, come through, they're very, they're very popular for, you know, I, I hate to say it, but till the next set come <laughs> along, of course. Uh, it's almost, it's almost this, you know, um, avalanche, right? I mean, it's our industry. It's one thing and then that's the entire focus and then the next thing is the entire focus. And and uh, so you see a lot of people discussing, you know, how to get through the the most recent set of rule changes that have that have popped up. Um, and then and then there are yeah basic sort of I've got a client in this situation. I've got, uh, you know, I need to find a specialist in that situation. Um, so the requests of of how to, I guess, jump over a particular hurdle mm. um, becomes, you know, more more prevalent when someone has an acute pain. And sure. so that's sort of, I'd say, regular but sporadic as well. So yeah. it oscillates between the broad. And the granular. And I imagine a month and a half ago, people were talking about the October 6 changes. And now perhaps they're they're really having a look at this uh, FASIA, looking at st- changing standard three and um, what that might mean and what they might go for. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I think the the uh, one of the, the more difficult things about sort of having a you know, platform with conversation is there is a moderating aspect to it. Um, and what what we've found over the years is probably the only thing that will get removed. And our view is always, does this question and does this conversation help not just the individual, but everyone reading it? So there's kind of a, yes, helping everyone on an individual basis, but by osmosis, you know, we're all, as, as we say, driving the positive evolution of financial advice. And so, Occasionally, you'll get a question that that's something like, "Hey, on this obscure uh, piece of technology, when you click on edit and go down to you know this little sub menu, mm. I'm getting an error five four three two one." <laughs> and so we go, ah, "There's not many people experiencing that problem, so we'll probably just we'll, we'll let them know that you know that is probably just a little bit acute." Um, but literally, other than that, it's. Most things, I'd say 99% of the conversations are you're learning 
through other people learning and uh, and that concept is is just extremely valuable, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine people organically tend to figure out what's appropriate and what isn't. Yeah. Angela, what um, what kind of format do people use to communicate with the BFP? Is there a, a page or a message board or, or something of that nature? Yeah, we, we run an uh, internal communications tool so everyone can um, uh, dialogue with each other and that's open to principals and their staff if they want to do that. We, we actually encourage quite lively debate because we've all got our own view about, um, you know, phasia, the exams, uh, education, because we're, we're quite diverse. I mean, if we've got uh, 60% of our people with uh, having held their licence for over 10 years and then we've got this cohort of people that are just newly uh, licensed, we're going to have different views and different ages, etc. So we do encourage lively debate because we feel that that really helps us re-examine what we're doing in our business and reposition potentially our thoughts or think more broadly about things. Uh, we also encourage some uh, congenial banter, uh, especially on Fridays, because it just eases off uh, what's been happening over the week. But it's been a very um, well-used and well-respected platform uh, within the community. And it really shows the collegiate nature when you see people saying, oh, I'll shoot you my policy on this or uh, I've used this HR, here's the fees that they use. It's, it's been really uh, terrific um, yeah. for, for the members and, and they value it very much. Very good. I, I, the, the banter aspect is, is hugely undervalued, I think. Uh, I mean, my understanding is that most advisors sit down for an hour every morning and discuss professional planners' latest headline um, <laughs> just to be across everything that's going on in advice. Clayton... More broadly, if we look past XY Advisor and look at the sort of the peer group landscape, which I'm sure you're across better than anyone, what other type of groups are there? Um, I know XY Advisor is, is, is really quite, quite successful now. Are there other sort of smaller grassroots kind of groups out there that perhaps don't take that commercial lens and, and, and just uh, sort of work in the background for advisors? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I mean, we were five years as one of those sort of non-commercial groups. Um, and, and as the story goes, you know, we were pretty ready to pack up shop uh, simply because we had to get on with our life uh, and, and stop doing a bunch of work for free. Um, but, you know, in the end, we, we ended up sort of figuring out what the revenue model would be and, uh, and, and have sort of taken off from there. But um, I would say around the world... There's a lot. There's a lot because financial planning is this really peculiar profession where it's not as codified as, say, accounting or surgery, right? It's, it, it, a surgeon knows when they cut open a body that they're going to find an organ in a particular place. And, 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 and as the person receiving that, you're quite aware that the person who's providing that service to you has done the same thing a hundred times. Um, financial planning, on the other hand, is so it's so difficult to to pinpoint and to nail down and to say precisely this is what financial planning is because from one planet to the next, you're never going to get the same methodology, um, outcome, mm. results, uh, and so because- the same same applies on the client side. Of course, every client is completely different. Absolutely, yes. And, 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 uh, and so you've got this hugely variable demand and hugely variable supply side, right? And so because of that strange nature of financial planning, there is this, and it's been happening for decades, 
this inter-peer-to-peer sharing of financial advice uh, from one expert to the next. And I think the reason why XY is doing what it's doing and, and plans on, you know, obviously heading overseas and, and doing a lot more is because the nature of this profession is so dependent upon sharing. Mm. And, and I would say that there are, uh, from, from my experience, there's probably 10 to 20, maybe even as many as 50 uh, of, of similar groups that I'm aware of around the world of different sizes. Um, I don't, I think typically the business model or typically the, the revenue model is um, ad, charging the member, advisor, advisor side charge. Yep. Um, and so I think there's, a, there's an innate limitation to each of these groups, not to say that they're not extremely valuable and, and they are, that's why there's so many of them. Um, I think our approach of pushing the revenue to the corporate side um, allows us to to scale up and grow. I think that's probably the only difference of how we used to approach it to, to how we approach it now. Um, you mentioned and, that you're looking at going to the States, I think it is, as well. Could you expand on yeah. that and the opportunity it presents for you guys? Yeah, so uh, we've already expanded sort of Southeast Asia, South Africa. We're about to expand into the UK um, and then... The, the, the long term for us is the US because if there's sort of 20,000 advisors here in Australia, there's globally a million. And if you say English speaking, let's say 500,000. Um, we tend to think that financial planning is sort of split in half where half of it is regulatory in nature and relevant to the country and half of it is international in nature and relevant to financial coaching and client acquisition and all. You know. So we, we think that as an Australian advisor can benefit from learning from a Brazilian advisor about how to handle cash flow. Um, and, 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 but an American advisor can only learn about um, RIAs from another American advisor. And so, uh, the, you know, our future, I guess, platform, the next iteration of our platform will facilitate international conversation where relevant and quarantine onto, on a national level that relevant conversation. Yes. Um, and and that's that. If I think back to why we started, it's it it, it is to facilitate that peer to peer learning, and it's so important. Um, and we we're just trying to get to a point where advisors all over the world can benefit from it. This episode is proudly sponsored by BlackRock. As a fiduciary to investors and a leading provider of financial technology, BlackRock helps millions of people build savings that serve them throughout their lives by making investing easier and more affordable. From integrating environmental, social and governance practices into its investment processes to creating positive impact by serving communities in Australia, BlackRock is dedicated to helping clients, employees, shareholders and communities achieve long-term financial well-being. To learn how BlackRock can help you and your clients, please visit the BlackRock Australia website. Angela, while we're on scale, is the BFP where you want it to be now in terms of membership? Um, and I guess the question really there is, is, is there a sort of terminal velocity where you, you lose the benefits of a peer group as you get larger? Well, certainly over the last few years, we've had a significant uh, increase in uh, membership. We've had about a 40% growth in principal members. And that's probably been driven by two factors, one being the uh, 
exit of larger licensees from the mm. uh, financial planning community and people deciding that they want to be self-directed and self-determined how they run their business model. Has that so, gone the other way though, Angela? Have, have those dispersed advisors actually come looking for groups? Have you sort of got yes, some along yes. the way? Mm. Uh, significantly and uh, and we're also becoming uh, more well-known because we've rejuvenated uh, what we do, our Benefits. I mean, we provide uh, significant discount and benefits for different services and platforms, etc., to our members, our conference and our events, etc. And that's been getting um, uh, more broadly and widely known. We've always been a, quite a private group, but now we've become more in the uh, public face, so to speak. Yes. So uh, that has driven us. So there is a discussion going on between the executive at the moment about what level is uh, an appropriate level and how would we manage it when we get to that uh, position that we feel that we're no longer that sort of club-like group uh, collegiate um, feel because we really do want to keep that uh, community feel, the collegiate uh, focus and the quality membership. So it's a discussion now, but I don't think it's going to come into play for some years yet, sure. luckily for <laughs> How often do you? Yeah, do you... No aspirations to move overseas, but I, I can see Clayton the the value of learning um, from an ad, from an advisor's perspective, from a business, yeah. and, and indeed from a business principles perspective about how, how other businesses operate. But we operate within the regulations within Australia, so yeah, it's um, worth so acknowledging yeah. there that there are different models completely, and uh, yeah. XY is very much a an online model. But you do get together and 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 have a. a, a glass of wine or a cup of coffee every now and again, Clayton? Yeah, that's right. Um, when, when the, you know, pre-COVID, back in the oldie days, <laughs> the oldie times. Um, so, yeah, we would do one probably on average once a month. We'd probably do 12, 12 a year. Um, these days, though, ooh, it's a bit trickier. It's definitely a bit trickier. Indeed, indeed. We're all familiar with that. Angela, do you guys get together and, and have a drink and see each other face-to-face? COVID permitting? Uh, well, <laughs> Certainly we get together <laughs> um, uh, just in my radius where I'm located in the Melbourne CBD. I've probably got about eight or ten uh, different uh, principal members around me, so we catch up uh, quite regularly when we're out and about at things and in Collins Street. But, yes, we have events. We have uh, Zoom-based events at the moment, but we have a whole raft of those that could be on a um, – technical, you know, responsible manager training or it could be about uh, uh, presenting on podcasts. Uh, probably should have gone to that. <laughs> uh, and we also uh, generally have a um, annual conference. I mean, we, our last one was uh, in uh, 2019. Uh, that was uh, defining our value uh, leading through change. And we had one planned for 2020, uh, rocking with the regulations, uh, keeping ahead <laughs> of our obligations. But uh, Love it. And, and most of our conferences cool. are filled by our own internal speakers. And we do have, you know, people from the regulatory authorities and some external experts. But mostly we learn from each other. Very Panels good. on uh, review services and that. But we enjoy getting together. We always have a, a range of social events during those conferences that uh, are highly uh, uh, attended. We have yeah. very good turnout. It's that kind of profession, and I know Clayton, you have a history and advice, as do I. And it's it's the kind of profession where you really need that um, that company. You need that collegiate atmosphere. You need to know there are others going through the same things. Not to only just ch- chat about the the more prosaic details of financial advice, but just to sort of someone to sort of 
be a shoulder to cry on some in some sense and, and just have a moan with sometimes. You just need to get it out of your system. Uh, so those meetups are, are pretty valuable for that. I just want to touch on something. Um, a lot of people tend to conflate what licensees provide for advisors and what peer groups do. Um, a lot of the licensees might look at groups like XY and, and BFP and sell advisors on the fact that they provide the same kind of support. Um, it really is one of the main selling points of dealer groups other than the licensing, um, that kind of collegiate atmosphere. So you share that, you know, if you're looking at a, Viagra, a Venn diagram of the two groups, that collegiate atmosphere is part of that. Um, the same goes for providers of, self, of service-only propositions um, for self-licensed advisors. Angela, how do you separate yourself from that? How do you tell an advisor, this is what the group presents and this is our value proposition and this is where it's different from what your dealer group will give you? Uh, certainly our pricing model is uh, quite different. <laughs> We're $500 in. As opposed well, to 40000 yes. Yeah. So, so um, certainly that aspect. But, you know, uh, how we differ from a dealer group is that we don't uh, dictate or mandate uh, business views or methodologies or processes. We are truly all very independent uh, advisors, uh, to have your own businesses, uh, you're usually quite strong in your belief about what you can do and how you're going to do that, et cetera, but you're open to learning and uh, adjusting to mm. the market. So, um, you know, we all decide, uh, you know, all those things like uh, who we're going to use for compliance, uh, our governance, our, how we run our business, our client types, of services we're going to offer. But really our value is in that very collegiate sharing nature. We're collaborative. We challenge each other in a respectful uh, manner, uh, but we're all owners and we all want to do what's right. Mm. So I think that there's a place for us all. It's just what you want to do. But definitely there's a significant difference in cost. We have no entry, no exit fees, just that. <laughs> significant <laughs> indeed. Significant. I guess. And, and we had... We have people, you know, leaving dealer groups to come to us, but we don't offer everything. A dealer group has its place. And XY and, and uh, BFP, we share, uh, cross-share cross our membership a little bit, which is good. Yeah, yeah, a bit of shared DNA there. I guess the fact that uh, you know, a licensee is ultimately responsible uh, for the conduct of the advisor in terms of compliance and things like that is always going to warp the relationship to a certain extent, whereas for, for, for peer groups, it's really just about that support angle um, Clayton, is there, do you ever find yourself having to explain that value proposition to advisors? Um, no. So uh, probably it's kind of it's kind of interesting because X Y we don't do any um, paid advertising. So our our uh, growth has come from word of mouth. You know, just advisor to advisor. Um, one of the things that I have noticed is some very successful licensees with a, I shouldn't say they started out that way. It was originally a few years ago, a couple of advisors became self-licensed and then they wanted to start a license and, you know, for, for other advisors. And they came to us and they said, hey, can we just use your platform as our community spot? You know, because everyone says that they've got community. Um, and they've grown really quickly to the point now where we're getting more established but still progressive licensees coming to us. Because I think what licensees are starting to realize is we don't compete with them. We just facilitate 
their ability to say what they do in a better fashion. Just to pull a thread um, on that for a second, Clayton, did you did you allow the group to have a specific little microsite on XY? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So How did that pan uh, out? So, so if if I belong to a particular licensee, when if I go on to the XY platform, I can actually see my licensee on the platform. And only people that are in that licensee can see that, that uh, group. So you've got sort of the main conversations that are going on, sort of about 20 different conversations per day, give or take. And then, and then they sort of splinter off into smaller groups. So licensee one is discussing how they're going to approach this new regulatory change. And they've just done a new deal with this product provider and this is how they're going to use it. And mm. um, so, so I, it started with our members creating these licensees and then growing really quickly. I mean, they, they went from zero to 30 in about 12 months just, just by being on our platform and then using our platform to, to do the communication, to, to do the community. And it got to the point where now we've got really established large but still progressive licensees coming to us and saying, we say we do community. So we're just, this is now the next iteration of what we've been doing for a long time. And, and it makes sense because I know exactly what that means because when we started it, it was six months apart with these events and then it was weekly with the podcast and just the nature of things. Technology is what it is. When we engage on the internet, we want to engage in these I hate to call it social media, but like professional media or, you know, LinkedIn on the BFP, you know, group itself, there is a desire to to engage with technology and with people. Mm. Um, and so we're just now, yeah, we're, we're moving much more into the facilitation space. And we've got a lot coming in terms of sort of CPD auditing and tracking and all those, all those good things. So we kind of see 2022 as as the year that we build a bridge even more with licensees, we're going to sort of actively try to work with them more. Great, great. Yeah. Just on the content for a second, you mentioned before reviews that come up. So I'm just wondering how much of a proportion of the content that goes onto the site is actually to do with product, to do with reviews about what uh, you know, what ETFs are working for them or what platforms are good and, and what are bad or you know, the net, worth versus, net wealth versus hub debate and, yeah. or any of that kind of thing. Is there a real sort of focus on people letting each other have these honest perspectives on products? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and, and we've got a rule that says, it's basically the, the number one rule of the platform. Talk about anything you want in financial advice, except your own thing. <laughs> so, um, so if Tal is getting discussed, um, you know, everyone, it, you know, talk. Every advisor can talk about Tal, but Tal can't come on and talk about how good they are. Yes. Right. Um, what they can do is correct any information that's wrong. That we, we've kind of got this scoped out the ability to reply to incorrect information, but um, but because of the, that environment where it is advisor led, where it is reviews led. Um, I'd say, yeah, that's a, it's a really good point. I, maybe one in 20 conversations, so potentially like once a day, someone is discussing either a platform, an investment, an insurer, a piece of technology. Uh, yeah, it does It does happen a lot. Um, yeah, it's the same as, as, you know, we have an editorial standard at Professional Planner where we 
if we're looking for comment for someone who is a leader of a company, say a fintech, we, we're really looking for their thought leadership, not mm. not for them to sell it. And, and for yeah. the same reason, I think that XY advisor aren't looking for that as well. You guys yeah. appreciate that your audience doesn't value someone promoting their own product. Um, yeah, we, we, do have a, we do have an avenue for that now. It's a part of our revenue line. Um, but it's but it it's specifically for that type of content. So of course, advisors are interested in learning about different products. Um, but it but we've created a different environment for them to learn about those different products, and then a different environment. It's because it's it's mindset facilitation. The reason why Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram exist is yes, the functionality is a little bit different, but it's not like Facebook can't do that functionality mm. that Twitter does or that Instagram does or even LinkedIn. It's a mindset that's facilitated in the environment. And so uh, so XY or, or the BFP platform, the advisor is going into that with a particular mindset, which is uh, authenticity, vulnerability, um, you know, share and learn as equal, not trying to sell, and then they sort of, as a result, you have your guard down and you're willing to receive more information yes. because of the environment. And so uh, so we certainly do have an environment where product providers can talk about their stuff, but we've specifically created it as a as a different mindset-orientated uh, place. Cordon that off. Angela? I'd just, like, I'd just like to say that we don't have anybody but our members that are actually on our platform, so we don't have any external people seeing it. But our discussion about uh, products or um, options uh, would be probably about 20 to 30%. Mostly it's about the uh, technical or the business uh, matters. There was some discussion recently about um, insurance and the, the different uh, uh, terms and, uh, and uh, also uh, industry superannuation funds. Mm-hmm. So things like that. Uh, uh, are very valuable, but it's really member to member, so we have no uh, external, which is good. But people like uh, you said, Clayton, uh, people come into it very vulnerable, open about what they don't know. Hey, I'm just checking this, or what mm. do you think about that, or I've been looking for this, uh, etc. We have had some uh, quite harsh statements about um, uh, <laughs> currency, Bitcoin, and is that an investment or speculation bubble, etc. Um, uh, that's been uh, interesting. But it's, it's more uh, the broader about the business management side. Yeah, very good. Very good. Well, it's been a really interesting chat here, guys. I, um, I think it's, it's shed some light on how peer groups help advisors in both that practical sense and, uh, and, and also with the more prosaic details of practice management um, and also personally via that collegism that we, we spoke about and knowing that there are other groups out there and other advisors that are going through the same thing as you. I'd like to... Um, get a really strong final point, um, perhaps, Clayton, on how you think these groups will evolve moving forward. Um, I know you guys have designs on expansion, but but more so broadly, over the next five, ten years, how do you see peer groups evolving and, and, and uh, sort of changing to serve advisors? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so I, I think technology is just taking over our lives. COVID... If, if, if things weren't happening rapidly already, COVID just, oh my God, took mm. us forward 20 years, right? It, it's, it's crazy. Now we're having a, we're catching up digitally, right? This is now normal, right? And in such a small amount of time, it went from a little bit kitsch to super regular. And so tech these days, I think uh, it's no longer a, a, a part of the equation. I think it is the equation. Um, whether that's good or not, 
from a philosophical point of view, I could discuss all day, but certainly it 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 is. Um, and so I see I see definitely digital interactions um, scaling up. Uh, it, Financial advice is is where we sort of, you know, that's our subject matter expertise that we're discussing today. But if you look outside of financial services, you've got doctors on Doximity, you've got developers on Stack Overflow, and and a lot of professions that start out as as small uh, peer groups have scaled uh, quite substantially. With that said, never, ever, ever will the smaller, intimate, comfortable uh, groups go anywhere. That that will that will exist, yeah. and these things will coexist. I think I think uh, X Y will play a role in facilitating conversation amongst uh, you know global financial planners, um, but we will never be able to uh, solve problems uh, down to the specifics like BFP is. So uh, those kind of those kind of groups, we you know, it, I'd love to get to a point in time where we could even support. You know, a, a company, or I should say, associations like like the BFP. Um, you know, when when we've got enough, I guess, uh, stripes on, on our arm, we'll earn that right over time. Um, but and and where I'm really bullish on professionals sharing, but especially financial planners. I think there's, there's so much to be learned from one another that uh, that the future is really only going to go uh, to to the extent of more. Yeah. Angela, do you do you agree that there's a little bit of a tech-based um, future for for these kind of peer groups, but there is still that really strong um, gap in the market for those smaller groups as well? I definitely agree with all that Clayson said. Uh, we've we've seen it through the GFC, uh, sorry, the GFC, the COVID uh, uh, pandemic, especially for us uh, down in Victoria, where we've been locked down for almost two years. Mm. So uh, definitely, it's uh, 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 technology, but we do like to get together. We're social animals. We do like to get together and see the whites of each other's eyes and just to have a bit of fun together. I mean, you can have a drink on Zoom, but it's not the same as, uh, you know, standing on the Barmy River in uh, Brisbane as you're going into your conference to, to talk about a few things that are happening. And you can be a little bit, perhaps a little bit more open there. Uh, and you do find... Um, there's uh, subgroups within groups too. Everyone's open, but there's subgroups. A bit like, Clayton, you were saying, you've got your licensee group and your other groups. And I think they'll always exist. But there's plenty of room for all of us. It's just what an individual wants. Brilliant. Great note to finish on. Well, thank you both again for joining us uh, on this episode of Principles in Practice. I really enjoyed having you uh, on. And best of luck with your own peer groups and your own lives. Thank you. Thanks, guys. <laughs>